0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello, welcome to the True Faith uh, free podcast. Post Chelsea, uh, Newcastle United unfortunately lost 1 0 at Stamford Bridge yesterday. Uh, I'm Charlotte Robson, joined by Norman Riley and Sean Orick. We were all there. We are all going to discuss the result and the game and the fixture and where that puts us. Well, it puts us back in the relegation zone, unfortunately. Um, Norman, I'll come to you first. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that straight away. Back in the relegation zone. Do you think we've shown enough so far with our I think nine matches now to get out of it? Do you think we have shown enough? More than lesser sides, shall we say?
2: It's so difficult to answer that question based on on all nine games collectively because we've been absolutely atrocious in in some of them. Um, Watford at home, Brighton at home, Leicester away, Arsenal at home. We were really really poor, and uh, Norwich away as well. Um, and if I was asked to judge on those five performances alone, I would say that were you know a dead search for relegation and. After the Leicester game I was convinced That we were going to go down With a a whimper You know But obviously That performance against Man U With a tactical change That lifted everything And you could see That the players themselves Visibly um, Yesterday Looked like their heads Were a little bit higher And they looked A lot more confident And obviously we know That Chelsea dominated the game In terms of possession And chances created But at the same time We were in the game All the way through And at the end of the match The players didn't look dejected They came over And they were applauding the fans And they knew that they had humiliated themselves. Um, and yesterday's performance, the Man U performance and the Spurs away performance, they're the, they're the kind of performances that have been the, the, the hallmark of our um, first two seasons back in the Premier League. And if we can continue performing in, in, in a similar vein, then I think we've got enough. The The issue is, obviously, is that I think under Bruce, unlike under Rafa, we are going to take some absolute tankings and it's how we kind of recover from those tankings, whether those whether there was absolutely, you know, those results have a huge impact on the confidence and we carried it in the next game. It's a, it's a kind of case. Of if we lose three or four 0 we've got to get over it straight away. And to be fair, you know, the Leicester defeat five 0 they did get over it. Um, and and I think that's what's important. That look, we've had a really tough start. We've played five of your kind of, you know, traditional top six sides in the opening nine games. Um, the only one I'm missing really is Man City. Um, obviously, you know, you can say Man U on a top six side at the moment, but they're not. But in terms of them being traditionally there, that, that's what they are. Um, the, the big one is getting results against the teams around us. That's where we need to start picking up points. Now, I would consider Wolves at the moment as one of those teams that we ought to be looking to pick up a victory against at home. And I've seen enough in the last two games to give me hope, a lot more hope than I had post-Leicester. Um, I think actually we've been excellent in, in different ways against Man and, and, U um, and Chelsea. So I'm, I'm hopeful right now, I'm hopeful. But again, you know, ask me the same question after the Wolves match and we'll see where we're at. Um, Sean, anything
3: to add to that? I think I, I, I pretty much agree with a lot of what Norman said. I think the the only difference is when we play some of the so-called you know the so-called lesser sides, we we have to try and be on the front foot a bit more, and that that brings with itself its own risks. And we're we're not at the moment creating enough chances. I mean, we'll come on to a bit about the game, and that's a lot of it. But we're going to have to take more risks, which then again leaves us a bit more open. I don't think against the lesser sides we can just sit back and be organized because then and, and play on the break, which is where, where kind of our problems are gonna or maybe lie. But, you know, Norman is right in terms of we've had a reaction, me and Norman were both at Leicester, it was absolutely horrendous. But there has been a bit of a reaction there. We've kind of reset a bit, we've got a bit more organised, we've we've kind of people know that look like they know the rules a bit better, which is, you know, is a lot of a progression from what we talked about a few weeks ago after that game. So we've kind of got the foundations and the base there. But again it's gonna be can what can we do when we have the ball on the front foot against those sides and that's gonna kind of decide where we'll finish really
1: Absolutely. I think um I mean we're only we're only different to Southampton on goal difference. Mm. And I think that is that well that's what we're gonna come on to next. It's it's the that is what is the problem here? Why can't we score any goals? Um our defence, which we'll talk about definitely later on in this podcast, was was pretty solid and, and, and pretty admirable yesterday. I think um, that side of things is fairly sorted, if you will. Um, but our problem here is we're not scoring any goals, we're not creating any chances at all. Um, Norman, let's talk about Joel Linton. Uh, Gale's back to fitness, kind of. He came on for about 15 minutes yesterday. Do you think he's going to be a better option once he's sort of... Ready to start, or or do you think do you think Carol? I guess Carol's not going to be full fitness for a full match either. What do you think? What's the answer here? Give us the answer, please.
2: God, I wish I had it. I mean, look, the, the big issue is, is that ultimately we lost um, Ron Don and Perez in the summer. That's twenty five Premier League goals gone, um, and you know you're looking at basically to replace those goals. You're looking at Maximan, Almiron, Joe Linton. Gale and Carroll. Now, unfortunately, I don't believe any of those players have got the, the goal-scoring capabilities of, of those two players that we lost. Um, so, it, in terms of getting enough goals, it's really difficult to know, but look, I mean, look, Dwight Gale played under Rafa in the Premier League for a full season. He got six goals. Dwight Gale's goal-scoring record in the Premier League is, you know, it's, it's not good. He's, a, he's an incredible championship goal-scorer. He's one of those players who's too good for the championship, yet possibly not quite good enough um, to bag 10 goals and 10 goals in the Premier League. Um, at the moment, would you offer more of a goal threat than Joel Linton? It's difficult to say because what's happening is, you know, it, it, you can't really see Joel Linton's um, not scoring goals because he's not a good finisher. The reality is he's just not getting chances. Now, my concern would be if we swap Joel Linton for Dwight Gale is Dwight Gale, Gale going to start yeah, creating chances on his own? Dwight is he going to uh, no, 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 cheers for that, Alex <laughs> um, is um, is Dwight Gale going to start creating chances on his own because the, at the moment the only way that you can see Joe Linton scores is if he basically picks up the ball in the halfway line and he drives forward on his own there is absolutely nothing coming San Maximan yesterday did offer a little bit of hope because there was a couple of occasions where obviously he broke free and you're just looking for that kind of final ball you're looking for the movement of Joe Linton into space now At the moment, I don't think Joe Linton quite understands how to utilise the space on the counter, as well as Rondon did, as well as Perez did. That's what they were really good at. They were really good at kind of moving off the ball and just being in the right place at the right time. And Joe Linton doesn't quite understand that yet. And it's probably down to the fact that he doesn't understand the English game, the fact that Bruce's tactics have been up and down since day one. Hopefully now we're getting into a a place where you know there's going to be a consistent tactical um, setup on the pitch. But as Sean says, we need to go on the front foot. It's how we do that. Sorry, Charlotte, you wanted to say something there.
1: Oh, no, I was just, I was going to say, actually, I was standing with Norman for the game um, and Norman was pointing out that uh, Joe Linton, he comes very deep. So when we do get the ball on the break, there's three players in front of him. that I mean, that happened quite a few times, didn't it, Norman?
2: Yeah, it did. It did. And that's the thing. So I, I think what would happen is, obviously, you bring Gail in, Joe and I think it's quite obvious that he's desperate to be involved in the game and, and he's a young player as well. He's relatively inexperienced if you, look at, if you actually look at the games he's played at this stage of his career. And his, his sort of keenness to show what he can do is probably, on a subconscious level, making him just come back and try and get the ball, try and get the ball, try and make himself available. Whereas I think Gale, obviously, with his experience, he would just know, hang on the halfway line, hang on the halfway line, if we break, I need to be ready to go. So, you know, there is, I can see the advantage of bringing Gale in. But... You know, part of me thinks that would be really harsh on Joe Linton. I, I think the problem I've got is, is that Joe Linton, look, he's a, there's something there. There's absolutely, there's definitely talent there. But he doesn't have that one thing that's, you know, magical that means that he's good enough to operate in a team where he's not getting chances given all the time. Um, so I think in order to accommodate him, ultimately the team needs to change how it, um, how it attacks. And games away to Chelsea you're not going to see that it's Wolves the next game against Wolves I would start with Joe Linton but we need the team to start on the front foot and obviously two or three games down nine if he's not scoring then it's a question. It's a case of saying well look his confidence has obviously been affected maybe we do need to make the change Um, but I think you know one thing about yesterday was it was good to have the option of bringing Dwight on it was good to be able to bring Andy Carroll on I don't think we can start matches with Andy Carroll um, but he's a fantastic option from the bench Um, but I... uh, it's such a difficult question to answer with Joe Linton because, as I say, there is something there, but he's not getting the opportunity to show it. So he's inexperienced as is, is, is Um Against Wolves, I'd probably start with him. But if by half time if it's not looking good, then we can bring Gale off the bench.
1: Sean, what do you think of that? How, how are you a big Gale fan? Do you want to see him start? What What's your take?
3: It's gonna take It's gonna take time with Joel and I think it's whether we whether we have that time and have that luxury. I, we, we are kind of a side full of players who aren't regular goal scorers. You look you look from midfield, where are the goals coming? Shelby's never scored goals, particularly the, the two long staffs at the minute, or just new to the game. They've not got a history of, of getting a lot of goals. And it's going to take a lot of goals because you need, if you don't get those goals from up front, you, you need to find them from somewhere else. And kind of the way the way Jordan plays at the moment, I think like Norman said, it's a symptom of how Bruce sets up in ways he plays, his back to go for a lot of the game. He shoulders a lot of the work. He's an outlet for us, but we're not. He's not one where you play balls over the top. So I mean, probably going to have to be a case where you need to get maybe the two the two wide players playing a bit closer to him at times and just giving a little bit of support. I think there was, yeah, there wasn't. It was a bit telling I yesterday. Answer. I think Almiron maybe wasn't having any joy against Alonso for quite a lot of the time. But why didn't the switch, especially when Alonso got booked? Switch him over, get a- ASM on, give, really get at him. I just think we need to be a bit more dynamic there and, and, and think a little bit more when we're trying to help each other out because there is definitely a player there. I think we've, we do have to give the lad a bit of time. I think he's got a great touch. I think he, he did bring players in the game a little bit yesterday. But when we start, when we started having to go at teams, he's going to have to be looking forward. And he kind of really shoulder all this himself. He looked quite isolated yesterday at times.
1: Sorry, yeah, no, he did. Be... He looked very isolated. You're right. I think it's going to be a problem. And like you say, time is what we need. We need time for this team to bed in together. We need time for sort of, we just need time and we don't really have it.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, look, in, in an ideal world, you're bringing in this kid from Germany on big money who, you know, he didn't, Score a load of goals at Hoffenheim, but there's obviously talent there. I mean, you know, Nagelsmann played him, and Nagelsmann's an excellent, excellent manager. Um, Hoffenheim were a good side. Um, he scored goals in the Austrian League. I mean, you know, I don't know what that, what that tells you, but um, there is something there. But he's come in to uh, a side in flux because of everything that went on in the summer with Rafa. And he's come in and he's had to replace Salomon Rondon, who had, you know, by the end of last season, four years' experience in the Premier League. You know, a regular international footballer and somebody who, who scored enough goals and gave enough off the ball to be an extremely, an exceptionally valuable player on that side. And Joe Liddens having to come in and perform that role himself and also, to a certain extent, perform part of Ayose Perez's game because, you know, Maximan isn't a direct replacement for Ayose Perez. He's a completely different type of player. Um, and Almiron at the moment, Almiron's confidence is so low in terms of getting, you know, getting in front of goal and, and taking a risk. He's he's scared. Um, I still think he's, he's offering a lot. And like, yesterday, he did offer a little bit. His movement was pretty good. Sean makes a really good point. Actually, I think the moment that Alonso was booked, so you see Sean switch Maximan and Ron, because then you're go, you're really going to give Al- Alonso problems because uh, Maximan just draws fouls as we saw yesterday. Um, and you know the, the the potential for Alonso getting a second yellow would have been there, but you know it wasn't to be. Um, however. Yeah, Joe Linton, he's just having to shoulder a lot of burden at the moment and I don't necessarily think that he's such a superb footballer that he can do that. I think he's a very good footballer, but he's a footballer who needs time and he needs an example, you know, like an older player in training maybe, kind of leading him along. He needs... Make manage coaching, specific coaching And, and he's, not, he's not obviously not going to get that And I think that's going to be what hinders him And it's a real shame because I think there is a, a good player And it's just at the moment He's not being given what he needs to, to improve And to become a success
1: I think the Dwight Gale question as well Is that a little bit, and I've seen this on Twitter, I mean, there was a lot of talk on Twitter yesterday, like, very, very negative stuff, and I don't think overall, and we can talk about the overall performance, I don't think overall, it was a bad performance, I think there's a lot to take from it, and there was a lot of negativity on Twitter yesterday. Um, Well, there always is, it's a cesspit, but, um, I mean, a lot of people on Twitter were saying... Oh, we're really missing Matt Ritchie here. You can really see that we're missing Matt Ritchie here, and I think it's just a weird, like, not the Dwight Gale thing as much because we did see him come on, and and we know that he's a dynamic player, and he, and that he you know on the break you could op- offer us some opportunity, but I, uh, I, I think it's just this kind of I, I don't know scapegoating is the right word, but like, oh, we this is only happening because we don't have X Y Z. Anyway, that's just my little
2: No, 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 no I, think, I think I think that's a, I think that's a really <laughs> good a really a really good point and I don't think Matt Ritchie would have um changed that game at all yesterday. I mean, um, you know, Richie does give us something different on the left hand side when he's playing wing back than, than other players. But you know, that Jet Raw Williams yesterday for me didn't do anything wrong. Um, I thought he was actually, I thought he was actually quite good. Um, you know, one thing that Richie could bring, I guess, is when you bring Andy Carroll on, Richie can't put a ball in the box. You know, and you think, well, maybe he would have whipped a couple in that Carroll could have challenged for. But you know, ifs, buts, and maybes. Um, I don't think, I don't know if I'm going to go into a kind of summary of the, of the overall performance. But you know, this the, the perform the, the the performance yesterday for me. If that performance had happened under Rafa, I wouldn't have left the ground disappointed. I didn't leave the ground disappointed. Yes, I look. We the the, the template that. We used yesterday was a template that template that was used under Rafa. You know, you go away to these big sides, you try and keep it tight, you try and limit the chances that they have. I mean, you know, I don't think under Rafa Chelsea would have created as many clear cut chances as they did. I mean, Dubravka pulled off some outrageous saves um, back yeah. to his best, by the way, yesterday. Um,
1: I'd like to do a twenty minute
2: segment on Dubravka. But, but yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get into that. <laughs> Me and Sean will just leave and you can do a monologue. Um, so... <laughs> The, the the performance yes as I say they the probably created too many chances that wouldn't have necessarily happened on Rafa but at the same time this is one of those games where you're thinking right we haven't been battered we haven't been humiliated we haven't lost any confidence from it we're gonna move on it it's not a disastrous result it's a defeat yes so the zero points for it but it's not like a three 0 or four 0 battering you know this is a this is the kind of defeat that. Under Rafa, we kind of got it, you know. If you look at you look at Spurs away, you look at um, Man City away, they were always narrower. Um, we didn't create many chances, but we didn't get humiliated, and, and that's what it was for me yesterday. So I don't think I don't think any player we started with yesterday would have impacted necessarily on that scoreline. Um, it would have been a very similar performance, I think.
1: I agree, and and it's also worth noting, and we did note on our Patreon preview. That Chelsea are a really high scoring side so far this season. They have scored a lot of goals. I don't have the number to hand, but it's something like 14 or 15 goals. And yesterday they only got one past us. Yeah. Like, that's something to take away from I that. I mean, that they, is a positive. Yeah. To take but,
2: away. I mean, they concede loads of goals, but we'll not talk about that. We're not to about that. Yeah, they do
1: concede <laughs> loads of goals. We, we, mentioned, we mentioned that on the preview as well. And I was like, yeah, but we can't score any. Um, anyway, we'll move on. We'll talk about the day and then we can have a little bit of a match recap as well. So Norman, you say Chelsea away is one of the worst fixtures. Yeah. Um, why? How was your day? How was your day generally, and why do you think
2: it's so bad? The day was fantastic because I got to spend it with magnificent people. Obviously, um, <laughs> Chelsea itself. I mean, you know, the stadium is basically a shopping centre and a multi-story car park. It's horrible. Um, you know, it is. It is just horrible. It, it's truly. It's a truly repulsive, horrible place. Um, and also, as you as you walk through the state, the back streets of of the of chelsea itself like you just as i mentioned before you, you you get a real feel for like the the inequalities in london you know there's like it is just literally like millionaires walking around with those tiny little you know designer dogs and then obviously you know 5 minutes down 5 minutes down the road you've got like you know, Grenfell. Um it is it's it, it's a horrible, horrible place. It's a visual representation of um, British social inequality. So on a political level, I can't stand it. Um also <laughs> the pubs are disgustingly overpriced. Um I mean people when people complain about London beer prices, I always say, well, you know, this you're choosing to drink, here But the reality is going into like a borough like Chelsea or even anywhere kind of past Victoria, you're in your you're in your right mate. You know, you're in your right mate to complain. It, it's it is ridiculous. Um But yesterday you know, I thought the away fans were great yesterday, I thought that was a really positive away end, apart from some idiots shouting the, you know, the occasional stupid comment on the whole, the fans were brilliant, in good voice, um, we didn't sell out, um, and the, the tickets didn't go on public sale, which I thought was a bit strange, um, but the the atmosphere in general was good, and we didn't see any bother outside of Chelsea, which was nice, you know, Um and I it was one of those where we'll drink we drank at Victoria we got to the ground and then after the match we just headed straight out straight out to Chelsea again yeah, And we, we ended up in um well exactly so we ended up in um the back streets of Waterloo drinking in a, in a cracking boozer called the King's Arms so I really really good well, day so apart, nice. from the, apart from the result a good day but um, not even then not too disheartened by the performance
1: Sean how was your experience of the day in the away end? I, I
3: thought the away end was in fantastic folks. I think you know, it was a it was a it was a tough game, We're often on the back foot, and I think we really we really backed the lads. It was brilliant. I think I'll give one redeeming feature of the ground. I think unless unless you're stuck at the very back of the lower tier of the shed end, you do you do tend to get quite a good view. It's Very steep, so you kind of punched in a true. corner. I think it, it does lend itself to to generating a lot of noise, which which I think does certainly help. I mean, there's you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening have been in the away end at the Emirates, for instance, which is quite. It's quite flat and, and just genuinely a shit stadium, and it's very hard to generate any <laughs> noise. No, Chelsea fans didn't didn't really make any noise, but we more than made up for that. We we're absolutely brilliant.
1: Oh we're my God, the Chelsea
2: fans the literally. Oh hey.
1: Well honestly, at one point, you know, there's that sort of everybody shushing and it, there wasn't a peep from anyone at Chelsea. The only time I heard them make any noise was when the scored. Yeah.
2: And then and then they've got then they've got the ball boys with the flags on the score as well. It's not even the fans like their their home crowd yesterday was, was I mean it was so abysmal, like this whole thing about Frankie being one of our own Frank Lampard all this hero worship around him you know the the banners on the stadium JT captain leader legend they missed off the racist part but um, they're uh, they're just they were were awful they were were so silent and the reality is Chelsea's a football club it's like 9,000 hardcore fans and then 30,000 tourists that is Chelsea Um, so that's why there's an atmosphere it's one of those where you think like you know if they were in like uh, the championship and they were getting attendances of eleven thousand, um, which is their natural level, really, they'd probably have a lot better, better atmosphere. But it was it was so so pathetic. I mean, they were dominating the game as well, yet the fans still weren't in voice. It was almost like yeah, we we'll, we won't sing to encourage you. You have to score for us to sing. That that's the kind of yeah. attitude that it was yesterday. And and even when they scored, it was like it was it was quite literally two minutes of them piping up, and then they just shut up again. And even at the end of the match, it was more kind of. Male applause, and the reality is
1: yeah, it is. It's polite applause it there, isn't it? They performed thing.
2: really. They performed really well. There's, they've they've got so much going for them on the football pitch in terms of their players. Like, you know, they've got some brilliant players. will go into. I'm, I'm I'm sure we'll go into individual players on their yeah. team. But they've got a lot to cheer about Like It's almost like with the youngsters that they've got coming through They're kind of clawing back a little bit of their soul as a football club As opposed to what they have been for the last 15 years under Abramovich Which is just a, a big spending vacuum of, of, of I mean, a va- vacuum and monstrosity of a, of a club But because <laughs> they've got these youngsters coming through from the academy that I hate to say it, but there's actually something quite likeable about the, the half the team Ugh. Oh, I feel bad saying that <laughs> You'll have to have a shower after this yeah, yeah, a, bath, a bath with a toaster mm. <laughs> <laughs> Alright well
1: Sean I'll come to you We'll talk about our side and Chelsea's side um, But I just wanted to know your opinion on our players How is that, Who stood out for you um, I guess we'd be remiss not to mention how good our defence was Yesterday our back four um, And my beloved Dubravka uh, who who was your standout? I'll, I'll
3: let you go. I'll let you go with DuBravka. I don't want to take away the kind of the glory <laughs> of that one, but he was brilliant yesterday. I thought Lascelles had a really you. good game yesterday. In fact, they all—I mean, they all did. were under the cosh for quite a lot of the time, and all you can ask is for everyone to just to, to put their all in and be organised, and they did that. I think first half, it, um, ASM was was exciting. The few times he got on the ball, it was it was a genuinely <laughs> edge of your... Well, I was the edge of your seat but no one sits in away games, but you know, it got you off it really got you off your feet. It was exciting, he, he he went past players and he goes at players. And the way the way they were shit scared of him. He faded a bit in the second half, but I think that was just the nature of how the game went. But that was that's a real positive for us. And when you when we talked earlier about kind of how we're gonna get something out of some of the lesser teams, he's gonna be a big factor in doing that and playing on the front foot. So was, the glimpses that I saw of him I thought were, were really positive. I think I'd certainly take that away. Yeah,
1: encouraging. Yeah. And then, and then Norman, I'll, I'll come to you with the same question, but, you know, uh, Sean mentioned there that we really were pressed, I think, in the second half for a good 15, 20 minutes before that goal. Our defensive back, well, it was all being played in their in third. Like, we had sort of, the pressure was so much Honest. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and, and yeah, that you kind of could see a goal coming. It was just relentless. But um any shout outs for our players who impressed you yesterday?
2: Uh Shea, and Clark were superb. Um Kieran Clark, I mean fair play to him coming back in the side against Man U, having not featured at all this season. He's been he's been rock solid in both games. Um and I think Yedlin, to be honest, Coped incredibly well, given that he was pretty much up against Alonso and hudson Adai on his own. Um, We noticed it in the first half, especially the amount of space they had on the left-hand side was was unreal. And Yedlin, the poor lad, I mean, he was working and working and working. And don't get me wrong, um, I'll go into a little hudson Adai loving now. Uh, He was so, (laughs) so good, hudson Adai. His movement, his strength, his skill, uh, he was just... He was just brilliant. Like, what a brilliant, brilliant player, and, and a player who's not even a regular for them. I mean, I wow. Well, just oh, if we could bring somebody through with that talent, it would be lovely to see. Um, he's the kind of player that, like, if, if he was at Newcastle, he would, be, he would become an absolute legend. He's the kind of player that, you know, I think as a, as a fan of Newcastle, we absolutely love. Um, so I would even, you know, what? Moving on to Newcastle, the long Brothers us to a certain extent impressed me. Yes, they didn't have much of the ball, but the, the energy was superb, and also. What we noticed in the first half, Jorginho was just being allowed to dictate. He was just dictating the game. The space that he had was ridiculous. Everything was coming through him. And I think when you were speaking at one point, like it can't continue like this because somebody needs to pick up on the fact that Jorginho is just getting the ball constantly. Everything's coming through him. And to be fair, they did. He quietened down towards the end of the first half. His influence on the game was, was completely negated. Um, and they were doing really well. They started doing really well. And then Barkley getting, going off that changed the dynamic again because um, Kovasevich came on and he was absolutely superb. He, he, mm-hmm. he completely changed their dynamic. I honestly think, and I think I said to you um, at one point that we've nullified them now. They're running out of ideas already towards the end of the first half. And as soon as they made that change, again, the dynamic of the team, the the team, dynamic of their team changing. and what, what happened was in it it brought Tammy Abraham into the game a lot more. Um, as I say, Kovasevich was very excellent. Very tall man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I absolutely. Um, he's very tall, <laughs> Tammy Abraham. He's, I mean, he looked... <laughs> Like, the thing is he's one of those players you always think oh he's dead slight but then the past three seasons you know we, we saw him at Bristol City when we were on the championship he's only 19 he's 22 now of course he's going to fill out of course he's going to bulk up and he is a very very big player um, and a really good player as well again um, as good as Shea, Lascelles and Clark were it was very much a case of like watching a rugby match when they're defending on the on the line. you know what I mean it was like there was just this mass rank of defence in Chelsea trying to push through and I think Abraham's touch for the Chelsea goal was really good um, but I it's, it's difficult it's, it, we played well our players played well most of the team played well but they just played that bit better and they had that bit more quality and that's what obviously undone us in the end you know
1: and I think as well we were fairly evenly matched at least in the first half and then the second half that came out like you say they made the switch and and we just didn't sort of rise up to meet them at that level, I don't think.
2: No. Nah. It's difficult, isn't it? It's going, to be, it's going to be difficult when, you know, when they can bring off the bench, you know, somebody from Real Madrid who's going to cost you 60 million quid, they can bring Pulisic off the bench close to 60 million quid. You know, they've got Giroud on the bench. Giroud would walk into Newcastle's team, you know, I mean, this, this is the difference. You can, and this has been, the, it was the same thing on Narafa as well. You know, we've got, uh, when the players are on song, when the defences defend the way it is, when the midfielders are working as hard as they are, we can give everyone a game, but ultimately, other teams have that little bit of quality that if we aren't 100% on it for the whole game, they can take advantage of it. And that's what happened for the goal, ultimately. Um, Bruce was talking about Joe Linton being fouled in the build-up. I, I didn't see anything anything that, that looked like a foul there, to be honest. Um, Abraham's, touch, Abraham's touch on for Alonso was was an absolute class touch, and, and it's something difficult to defend against. Um, you could argue that Alonso was in too much space, but even then... His finish was spectacular and his finish had to be spectacular because Dubravka was in such good form and Dubravka actually almost got it. Um, yeah. so I just the, it's just the, the lack of that piece of quality that's that stimmies us. It's
1: the lack of choice. We don't have yeah, the choice. Exactly. We can't we don't have these players on the bench that we can we can look to and think, oh well we can change the entire formation and style of yeah. play like at sixty-five minutes. We just don't have yeah. that.
2: Absolutely. So all, all all we've got all we've got is just lump the ball up to Big Andy. That's it.
1: <laughs> Big Andy or Big Joe.
2: Yeah.
3: Sean? I, I did think second half it was quite it was quite telling that you know you've got two very young lads in the centre of midfield who've done a lot of work and with second half I didn't see I didn't see Shelby warming up once or anyone who could potentially come on and change it and maybe relieve one of them. I think you know it was a very tough afternoon for them, but
2: yeah.
3: You saw him in the first half warming up but then he there was not even a consideration that he might come on in the second half and start playing some balls in, and you know we bring bring Andy Carroll on, and there wasn't any kind of there wasn't any kind of thought that they might need meet someone to relieve them a little bit.
2: Yeah, that that for that for me highlights the the the, the lunacy and ostracising Key. Um, that that was ideal. It was ideal for Key to come on yesterday for for one of the long staffs, whoever whoever Bruce thought was the most tired, perhaps that, that would have been ideal for Key, especially. Around about the sort of sixty-five, seventy-minute mark when it was still nils each, Kease the kind of player could come on and he could just kind of settle things around and, and stroke the ball around the pitch a little bit and just slow, possibly even slow Chelsea's attacking threat down. But he's been ostracised for for whatever reason. So moot point yeah, talking I really about don't it. Understand I understand that. No, not Not
1: maybe we, uh, can, maybe we can do it. Maybe we something in turn at the club Rochester, that we we, that. we
2: aren't privy to. I guess. Well,
1: we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to find out. We're gonna have to do some sleuthing. Um. All right, so we've talked a little bit about Chelsea, their setup that they are able to you know change the game with one 60 million player if they want to. What do we need to score goals here? do we need do we need more long staffs? Do we need more Steves do we need more Steves Norman you <laughs> talk a lot about Steve, Steven, Steve
2: and Steve. We don't need any more Steve's. I mean, you know, there's a lot of Steve's <laughs> in the club at the moment and, you know, you can always have uh, too many Steve's. You know, like like a Murder of Crows, what do you think a Steve's is? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, somebody said, no, was it a kebab of Steve's? A disappointment. A yeah, <laughs> a disappointment of Steve's. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we don't need out of the disappointment of Steve's anymore. <laughs> but uh, what, what do we need? Oh, God. Um, we need to create chances we need to create chances um, and that is what is absolutely hammering us at the, mo- at the moment um, and I, you know what it is I do think and Sean mentioned obviously ESM um, um, tiring towards the end of the match but the reality is that was only his second start I think so he's just getting back he's getting to full fitness you know and I do think once ESM hits his stride then he will on, him on his own will generate chances I think in home games, if Sean Longstaff's given the opportunity to get forward more, he's a potential outlet for creating chances. Um mean, you know, he doesn't create any direct chances, but when he's on form, he's, he's running and his movement, open up the space. Again, I'm going back to last season, open up the space that people like Perez and Rondon can exploit. And that's what we need. We need people like Joe Linton. ASM to start exploiting the space when we're counter-attacking and that, that's what at the moment well, what he did yes is we didn't counterattack very well because as, as we saw ASM was running with the ball and because Joe Linton dropped so deep ASM was getting to the box and he had, he had basically nothing to aim at to a certain extent or he's having to slow himself down to wait for the other players to catch up um, so I guess we need to if we're going to be this counter side we need to learn to get up and down the pitch a lot, with a lot more rapidity than we are at the moment um, but you know, I mean, I guess, I guess you could see. You know, we could do with another Steve in terms of a a, a coach dedicated to attacking. Um, I don't know if Clemens or Agnew or necessarily those coaches. I mean, they were both midfielders as players. Bruce was a, a defender. Not that that necessarily has any impact on what you on what you do as a coach. But neither, none of them seem to give the impression that they actually they're actually focused on attacking alone. Um, so maybe that that is something. But I just start creating chances.
1: Yeah, I wonder if yesterday, you know, seeing the defence being sort of sort of solid, that the focus will be on attacking and training now. I mean, I don't know, I don't know, I can't you hope know. So. Do you think the answer is in our squad already, or do you think this needs, you know, scouting and money in January? Sean, what do you think?
3: I think I think we probably are going to have to spend money in January. <coughs> The strength and depth definitely isn't there, but I think the worrying thing for me is we probably need a bit of luck, and that's not always something you can control. I think we do need a bit of luck to go. I think Almiron just needs one to go in, but, I mean, we've been saying this for a long time now, and I don't know how long you can keep saying it, but I I, I still do believe that if he gets one, he'll get a couple. And it's just that little bit of luck, I think we are lacking a little bit. There's the odd, probably, Norman mentioned I totally agree with the fact that we need to be a little bit quicker getting out. I think the only... The only very harsh criticism I give to Bravko is maybe just ship the ball okay. out as quick as you can for we to be a counter-attacking that's team.
1: That's- I won't hear it.
3: <laughs> it's the only thing. Uh, that's the one thing, little All thing. Right. But I think just, you know, decision-making, we, we, we just need to get a bit quicker at that because that, that's the way we're going to catch teams. But you have to do it at pace and you have to do it at speed. Yeah. So I think that is where main kind of such, to some of these things you know you can't necessarily control the luck thing would be nice we historically don't really get it
2: yeah no, I I'll add to that you know you know what I do think is important is um uh, the possibility of Florian Lejeune um, coming back into the side because mm-hmm. his My quality on the ball he, he can uh, he can create attack and play from the back um obviously at the moment you'd you'd think, well, if Lejeune comes back, you'd have to drop either Clark or LaSalle's because and, and they've both been brilliant. But ultimately, in, an, in, a, in a game against Chelsea way, Clark and LaSalle's with Shea, a ball playing center off, okay. But in home matches, if you've got Shea and Lejeune as part of that back three, you're probably naturally going to create maybe one or two chances just because of, of Lejeune's, um, Lejeune's vision, um, Lejeune's ability to... If you've got ESM and Army run breaking forward at pace, if they're not sitting too deep, if you've got Yedlin back to full fitness with his ability to get, to get up and down the line, and you've got Lejeune in there who's able to pick a, a real a, a really good pass on the tour into the right amount of space, then you think naturally we're going to create we're going to create more chances. But I think obviously you you make a good point, Charlotte, about um, defence the defence the defence to a certain extent it is so well drilled after two or three years under Rafa that it almost it almost picks itself and um, gets on with the game on its own. It, you think think yourself how much how much input? Is actually needed on the training ground with these defenders? They just know what they what they're doing, and they know the game inside out. So I may, maybe there is, a, 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 you know, a necessity to focus on on attacking in training. I mean, they might do already. We don't know, but you, you get the impression that that's not really the case at the moment. You get the impression that it's a case of let's just be solid at the back and see what happens after that. Right now, um, but I I think yeah, will make a difference. And, and you know what? I'd love to see. What I'd really love to see, and it probably won't happen, is just, just go out insane. Like a 25 or 26-year-old centre midfielder who is, you know, she so has got that experience and he can he can create things. Like as much as the long staffs are doing really well, I don't think those two are going to be, you know, the centre midfield pair for the rest of the season. They will either one of them is going to need to have a rest at some point um, and, I, and I, think, I don't think Shelby's the man to change things because the, the, the side's dynamic changes completely when Shelby's in and it, and it doesn't work um, as we say Key's been ostracised hadn't shot himself in the foot with that lunacy at, um, at Leicester um, Yeah, that was so, terrible. so going out and send, spending big money on a, on a centre midfielder who can turn the ball over and create chances would be great whether that happens or not who knows
1: I mean, I mean, Steve Bruce is making the right noises about that. I think when he when he talks, but but again, I don't know that he's got really that much autonomy over who would who saying who who we might be looking at. I don't know. So you're saying that if we had Lejeune back, and Lejeune is back in training, you know, he's is is getting back to fitness, I think we'll see him on the bench, and if not Wolves, maybe maybe at the at West Ham. Um, do you think we do have what, maybe not what it takes, I don't know if this is the right word, but do have some talent in the squad that can start scoring goals, or do you think we really do need to be really looking elsewhere, as in scouting?
3: I um, think we probably do need to be looking elsewhere. Sorry, I just jumped in there. No, I, I, I no, do, do think it. we need to be looking elsewhere. I think just historically over a long season, we we probably don't have enough players who score enough goals, and I think it's, it is going to tell. So you're right that you know where goal difference isn't great already I think that's a little bit of a concern but we're gonna really have to kind of start keeping the, keeping games tight and we're probably gonna to have to look to win games by the odd goal again and I think that's that brings with itself its own risks because <laughs> it's difficult to keep doing that
2: yeah I mean my, my fear is that we' we're we're gonna we're not gonna score two goals in a single game this season it's a uh, it's a gen, it's a genuine fear I guess we just don't look capable of scoring two goals in a game and and you know me, me... Seeing Florian Lejeune can make a difference is kind of, you know, um clutching at straws a little bit because Florian Lejeune Florian Lejeune is a centre half. He's not a centre forward, he's not a centre midfielder, he's a centre half. And you know, Florian Lejeune isn't going to create 20 the 25 goals that Ayose Perez and Salamon Rondon brought to the side. Um what as I say, what he'll do is, is he might make us might make us a little bit better going forward because of his passing range. But at the same time, we still need players who can get on the end of get on the end of crosses, players who can who can have enough of the ball to put crosses in? Players who aren't sat too deep because the whole side is set up defensively. You know, we we need to to go on the front foot, and we need, to as Sean says, try and generate a bit of confidence. Like Almiron getting a goal, yes, it would it would be huge. Um, but it's all as I say, it's all ifs, it's all if maybes maybe at the moment. I think ultimately we just need you know or to have a Johan Gabay in that side from eight um, seven years ago. You know, just to have somebody who can who can just unlock defences. Um, and at the moment we don't. Seem to have that, um, so I tough, really tough. Um, and, and so, if we don't, if we don't make any signings at Christmas, then as I say, scoring goals is going to be a big worry. And, and as Sean mentions, the goal difference as well. This was the thing on our Rafa. We didn't score many goals. But with, defense, with defensive record, it was ridiculous. I think it was like sixth and seventh best in the Premier League in, in, in those two seasons. Um, so we could play that kind of risky game of looking not to concede and maybe taking that one chance that we get out in, in, in a match. Um, under Steve Bruce, we're going to concede a lot more goals and that could really hamstring us if we if we can't then score goals ourselves, you know.
1: And then finally, we will wrap this up. It's sort of getting into the, why can't we score goals? <laughs> just just wails of, of sad fans. Um, does it worry you that we only had 30% possession yesterday? Do you, I mean, that seems to be uh, a common theme across our games. Um, we can't seem to keep a hold of the ball. Sean?
3: It, it didn't worry me yesterday. I think that's totally understandable yesterday. Chelsea are a very good technical side. They, they keep the ball very well, and that was, was always going to be the case, I think having 25% possession against Brighton was more the concern. Mm. <laughs> and it's how we kind of, you know, we've got, some, we've got some massive games coming up, especially home games. Bournemouth sticks out, Southampton, Palace, Burnley away coming up, Sheffield United away, well, Villa, these are the games we need to be picking up more points in. And I think we're you know, we going to need to have more of the ball against these teams. I don't think you can just play on the counter-attack of these teams. They won't let you do that. They, they know. And they want to do the same half of them because they're not that good. So that's that's more the concern. Yesterday, I I think that's fine. That's the way we had to play yesterday. We already got a real tank in, so no, it's against the other side.
1: Yeah, fair
2: enough. Yeah, Norman. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, possession yesterday. Who cares? You know, it's a way to at Chelsea. Um, Thirty percent. I
1: suppose my main point there is is more that that's a common theme. It, it's Chelsea, yeah, yeah it, but like it, we we're, we're not getting a lot of possession uh, in any of the games. No,
2: no, absolutely, But I mean, you know, you look at the possession stats on Rafa. Was pretty much it was pretty much the same. Um, and it, I think it was Rafa. Rafa said possessions is a start made up for TV. Now it's what you do when you've got the ball that counts. And at the moment, obviously, we're not doing enough as an attacking threat when we do have it. Um, the, as Sean mentioned, yes, 25% of possession at home to Brighton—that's your concern. Don't get me wrong; we know that Brighton under Graham Potter, I a say, that likes to hold on to the ball. But 25% is absolutely ridiculous in a home match against against a side that is going to be around you at the bottom of the table. Um, it wolves, I think, on. uh, next week you'd like to think that we'll have more of the ball against Wolves on Sunday we we ought to have more of the ball against them but again even if we have 35% against Wolves I don't care it's what we do with the ball when we've got it if we've got 35% of possession but that 35% of possession is us generating 3 or 4 or 5 good chances taking 1 or 2 of them who cares, you know, um, right now, my concern absolutely more than anything else is the fact that we look very, very much incapable of scoring more than one goal every two games. That's the big worry. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, agreed. And on that happy note, I think that we will probably wrap this podcast up. Um, we have a patron. We, if you subscribe to our patron, it's around $7 a month. I think we do it in dollars, uh, Exchange rate notwithstanding, it gives you access to three or four extra podcasts per week. Do have a look and subscribe if you're interested. We do all sorts of different things. We'll do a preview this week for the Wolves game. We have Match Day. Norman had Norman did the Match Day podcast yesterday at uh, at Stamford Bridge, and then we'll have loads of other extra stuff as well as sort of games and things like that for a bit of a bit of light-hearted light relief. Uh, which I think we all need at the moment. So thank you very much for listening. Um, We will be back next week.
4: access to a center is easy and affordable interested in experiencing the ee system technology for yourself go to unifiedhealing.com slash blue wire to learn more and find a center near you